Welcome to the Jazz Piano School podcast, episode number 66. Welcome to the Jazz Piano School podcast. Learn jazz piano without all the guesswork. Now, your host, Brendan Lowe. All right, everyone, welcome to the Jazz Piano School podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as always. My name is Brendan Lowe. I'm your host, and welcome to episode 66. So we had a fun time last week. <laughs> we published the podcast, and there was some uh, flaws, obviously, because I got some new equipment. But uh, again, thank you to all of you guys that kind of uh, wrote in on the podcast blog, you know, about the sound and stuff like that. Um, we got some of the issues taken care of. Uh, the other two issues what that was that there were some gaps in the audio, and that was because my MacBook went into screensaver mode which caused a little delay, like a little pause in the audio. And then the other problem was that were some other gaps because I was adjusting the gain on my focus right. So that's what caused those. So in this episode, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> um, also in the last episode, if you guys are listening to these sequentially, I posted on this on this on the blog, but uh, I kept saying sustained and I had all this audio equipment in my face and I wasn't paying attention and I meant to say suspended. So a lot of you uh, let me know that, and I I, I do appreciate that. Um, but yes, for the sus chords, that's supposed to be suspended. So that was in the last episode. I just wanted to make that quick little note. So uh, in this episode, I'm going to be going over my uh, voicing pyramid uh, system or scheme or uh, kind of method. And uh, this is going to be a specialty course um, being released next year in uh, Jazz Piano School on my voicing system and our voicing system and basically how to build voicings. Um, and I think it's super helpful actually the way I approach voicings because I, once you get to a certain point, I really give you or my students free reign over what they can play, right? If you like the voicing, then go for it if it sounds good. And I see so many people on the internet or in education say, oh, well, you know, you can't play this note over this voicing, you know, you can't use this note as an extension. There's a color because that's not right, you know, and that's not really my philosophy in jazz or music. You know, if you feel moved and, um, you know, touched by a certain color or sound over a voicing, even though it's not traditional, you know, then go ahead and play it. You know, who's to, who's to say you're right or wrong. It's you're the one making the music, you know? So, um, we're going to be releasing my voicing system next year. Stay on the lookout for that. And again, more, even more closely coming up is the JPS Solo Piano System that will be released uh, to the public the um, on January. Let me see. I'm looking at my calendar. January 23rd uh, that week, and I'm going to give you guys more updates on that as we get closer. But again, I'm going to be going over my voicing pyramid in this episode, along with some comping techniques. A member within the JPS group. Um, was, you know, asking about comping and, and just trying to really get everything together or just get some simple, more straight ahead methods for just solidifying her comping so she can feel good about it. So that's what I'm going to be doing in this episode. So for the uh, download of the practice materials for this episode, you can go to jazzpianoschool.com forward slash download 66. And oh, by the way, thank you to the people who left five-star reviews. I saw we had a couple new ones. So if you're out there listening and you have given a five-star review, I really, really appreciate it. And you are actually helping other people uh, find the podcast. You're helping to spread the jazz piano education to other people as well. So 
it's people helping people. And that's what I'm all about here at JPS, just trying to help as many people um, learn this great music and be able to express themselves how they want, because it's truly just, you know, um, an amazing feeling to be able to sit down and play jazz piano. You know, that feeling you get when you get make that little progress or you hear that, that amazing sound that, that you did yourself, right? You played it and you're just like, Oh wow, that's awesome. You know, all those little moments just give us hope and inspiration and just really enrich our lives. So thank you. Thank you for giving the five star reviews and it helps other people find it. Um, so here we go. Uh, again, my voicing, uh, pyramid or block starts off with just simple chords. Okay. So you can download the whole pyramid. Um, like I said, jazzpianoschool.com forward slash uh, download 66. But we start with just chords. So major triad, right? There's my major triad. And we have minor triad. Okay. Now from here, what we're going to do, once we, we need to learn all of our major and minor triads. Now this is starting from the very beginning, right? A very brand new person to piano and jazz needs to know what triads are. Okay. So you learn all your triads and all keys. Okay. Then next we want to learn our inversions, right? So we have inversions, first inversion, second inversion, root position again. And we learned our inversions for all our inversions for our different keys, right? C, F, B flat, B, so on and so forth. All right. And then we need to learn our inversions and we need to isolate them. So uh, we need to isolate, meaning if I were to say play a B flat minor, you know, first inversion, you can go boom, right? So you need to be able to isolate the voicing and just play it immediately without even thinking about it, no matter what voicing it is. You know, an E major triad, first inversion, you can just go boom, right? Once we've learned to isolate all of our inversions, then we need to learn how to voice lead. And voice leading is going to be the movement of progressions using the least amount of movement with your voicings possible to get to the next progression that kind of sounded very full there in that sentence but uh, you know to give an example of that if i'm going from a c major triad to an f major triad right i want to get to that f major triad with as little movement as possible so that means we need to find the closest inversion to all of the notes from our c major triad so i have my c major triad here and i need to get to my f major triad okay so to voice lead this i kind of simply look at what notes uh, the C major triad shares in common with my F major triad. And I see that the C is there. Okay, so I'm going to hold that and I just move my other two notes to get to the closest inversion, which is going to be second inversion. And there we are. All right. So once we learn our voice leading, then we practice voice leading, right? We practice our voice leading through all our different types of inversions, right? Practice voice leading with our first inversions, second inversions, minor major triads we can start to add in some other types of triads right augmented diminished things like that so um now that is just triads right those are three note chords jazz uh mainly takes on seventh chords and the same process we used for our that was my computer sorry about that (laughs) the same process we used for our our major and minor triads we want to now use for our seventh chords so we add an extra note this obviously becomes increasingly harder because we have four notes now in our chord instead of just three 
So now we learn all of our major seventh chords. We learn all of our dominant seventh chords. We learn all of our minor seventh chords, our minor seven flat five, right? There's a lot of chords to learn. I understand this, but it's necessary in order to really thoroughly learn jazz because you need to be able to play all these different types of chords. The process we take, though, at this point stays the same. So we learn all of the chords. Then we learn all of our inversions of our dominant major, minor, you know, minor flat five, uh, you know, minor major, any type of jazz chord you want. Okay, you then learn all your inversions. Your first inversion, second inversion, third inversion. And in the JPS main course, this is all laid out for you with practice exercises, right? In this manner. So you, you're going through the course, you're learning all of this. The next step, if you remember, is what? Now we isolate the inversions, right? So you need to be able to pick out, right, an A minor 7 third inversion. You know, what would that be? And you should be able to play that, like right off the bat. Or a B flat major first inversion, major 7 first inversion, right? So you should be able to do that with both hands very quickly. Now, what's the next step after that? That would be voice leading, right? So we're going to need to voice lead our major, minor, and dominant seventh chords, basically all seventh chords. We want to be able to voice lead as best as possible so we're using least amount of movement, okay? So again, if I were to go from a C major seven to an F major seven, I want to voice lead that from my root position, C major seven, to my second inversion, F major seven, right? And then F, let's say I were going to, um, I don't know, a B flat minor uh, seven chord, I would move up to first inversion again. Okay, so that so that is voice leading, and we're now learning to voice lead our inversions. Okay, of the all the chords. So we know all of our chords now. We know basically inversions. We can isolate the inversion now. We can voice lead the inversion. We've practiced all this through progressions. It's very it's very systematic. You know, it's it's actually easy. Theoretically, it's easy. Uh, it, you know where most people fail is the discipline, you know, and I, I don't think, well, I'm not really sure. I, I, I believe I was never presented the material as systematically as this in my career. And I've seen this with my students over long periods of time as well. You know, I've just taught, I've taught thousands of students and every most, probably 99% of the students that came to me were never systematically walked through this structure of learning voicings. I don't know why. I mean, um, usually, you know, people learn voicings, uh, just by being shown a certain voicing, like, Oh, you, you want to learn a C major seven voicing? Here's a voicing, you know, E, A, D, G, B, right? Here's a C major seven voicing you can use. So that person learns that voicing, you know, you may be able to relate to this. They have no idea where it came from really, but that that particular voicing is now in the repertoire and it's a great voicing, but it has no flow. It has no, okay, you, how do I progress this? And where did it come from? It's just kind of like stuck on an Island, you know? So what ends up happening is, you know, all these different types of voicings, but you have holes all over the place. It's like none of the voicings are connected, nor did you go through a process to learn how to progress these voicings uh, you know, in a systematic way that's going to allow you to expand upon them, that's going to allow you freedom over the voicings, going to allow you to control the voicings, to mix and match. You know, there's just so many options that you lose out on. 
So um, again, this is why I really love presenting these voicings systematically. So uh, with our seventh chords, we have learned and isolated all the seventh chords and all the different versions. Now we start to get into extensions, right? Now extensions uh, pretty much start to add on to our voicings. They're the colors, right? So if we take a C major seven voicing, we add our nine on top. That gives us the color of the nine on top of our C major seven chord. Now, what we start to do is add our nine in, just as an example, right? There's obviously many more extensions. Add our nine in to the C major seven chord. And obviously, a lot of you guys out, out there listening and in jazz in general, educators will teach the rootless voicings, a very common just standard jazz piano voicing to learn and it's their great voicings to learn so we teach the structure first and so we teach obviously the three five seven nine of a minor seven chord this is a, a g minor seven rootless voicing right and we teach you how to voice lead this to your dominant chord seven nine three thirteen going to uh three five seven nine on your uh, major seven chord again okay so that I call this structure one people people have all these names too and I mean personally I don't know all the nicknames there's so many different nicknames for voicings like oh that's that's the Bill Evans voicing or that's the Herbie voicing like I, I actually personally don't know that too well um, what the nicknames are I just know I know more about the voicings I guess I, I never really learned the nicknames I mean I think pretty much every jazz pianist uses these voicings. Maybe Bill used them more than others or something like that. Um, but anyway, so that's a structure, right? Structure one. So the next thing you want to do is actually learn these rootless voicings, okay? This teaches you how to start to incorporate your extensions into your voicings. So now I have my rootless voicing in the form of a 2 five, one Okay, and I'm going to have two structures. I have the structure one, which I just played for you, and I'm going to have structure two, which is the seventh on the bottom. So structure one starts with the third and the seventh on the bottom, right? Three and seven, and then we have five and nine. Structure two starts with the seven on the bottom, seven, three, and we have nine in the middle and five, and that's just an inversion, right? That's an inversion of your rootless voicing, right? So we learn those two structures. Now, after we learn the two structures through two five ones, then I have all my students isolate each of the voicings. So your three five seven nine of your minor chord, you want to learn that alone. So if I were to say, you know, play a rootless voicings for your F minor seven chord, or play your rootless voicing for all your minor seven chords, you wouldn't have to play it in the two five one structure. You could just play that minor voicing, right? So we can go G minor, A minor, A flat minor, D flat minor. Right, you know that structure very, very well. And the same with the other one. If you were to play um, all your dominant structures, right? Um, let's see, from the other structure, so structure two is going to be your dominance three, 13, seven, nine. Okay, right? So you can basically play, you know, any type of uh, dominant voicing. Right? Over any 
any chord. So if you saw a string of dominant chords, you could easily isolate that voicing. So the purpose behind that is that we're not always going to see progressions in 2-5-1. So we need to be able to isolate the voicing so that we know it just by the dominant chord, right? Just by that one chord in all of the dominance. So we've isolated our structures now. Now we're able to play our rootless voicings, but over any type of progression, okay? So that we just have a cluster now. And again, this starts to relate into comping, how to comp. Like a lot of people, well, now I know my rootless voicing, but how do I use it? You know, how do I use it to comp? Well, the first comping technique before I continue on my voicing pyramid scheme is going to be, I don't like using that word scheme. It sounds, uh, <laughs> it sounds like fishy, you know, like scammy, like schemey. But I know it's, <laughs> you know, it's not what I'm trying to say, but all right, whatever. All right, so here we go. So um, again, a lot of, you're going to have, if you guys listen to my comping podcast, I talk a lot about registers and I really believe this in comping. The piano has so many registers, so many, and, and, they, and they break down very subtly too. It's not just like low, medium, high. You have all these subtle changes. Even if you move up a minor third, like if I'm comping over a G minor chord, if I move up to an, a B flat minor chord, right, that already is giving me actually some more options to comp. You know, I could use my, maybe a voicing like this. Right, whereas, or maybe I could do something, you know, even lower, right? I could do something here. Whereas if I'm on my G minor and I move down here, that's too low. I mean, that sounds a little bit too muddy. So as you can see, even with the movement of a minor third, I I start to it's it unlocks options and it also closes options, right? So that's something you you really need to be aware of is is the register in which you are comping. Okay? Cuz every sort of um every sort of uh uh register um or what am I what am I looking for? range, okay? Any every sort of range that you're comping in and depending upon the voicings you're going to use are going to lead to different options. So what are those options? Well, for beginners or just even people just trying to learn how to solidify their comping, I actually would like to see you just learn how to solidify your comping in the lower end. Now, what's that going to do? I see so many people try and comp up here, right? Now, the higher, the medium to high sound, you need to have more advanced voicings. Okay, this is a very important concept, so listen closely. With these higher end registers, your voicings need to be much more advanced because the colors are going to stick out, okay? You need to have less roots and you need to have more spread uh, and, and probably more colors as well up here for your voicings to actually sound good. And that's because it cuts through, okay? This register really cuts through. Right, if I'm doing stuff like this, or maybe some other types of voicings, right? So the the types of voicings you just need to be you need to be more advanced. I mean, to be honest, um, to to really make use of that section. But beginners and most people will automatically go to that portion of the piano to comp in. And so what I'm telling you right now is start by comping in this in this lower end here. What this is going to do is really 
um, it's going to give you a palette. First of all, it's going to give you that solid sound that if you're comping in a group, this particular member, excuse me, wants is comping in groups, right? If you're more of a beginner intermediate player, just getting involved in group playing, this is what I'm recommending to you for comping. You're going to be able to really lay down a nice palette down here in this low end. Do not worry about your bass notes getting in the way. So what I recommend is your left hand playing bass notes, your right hand playing rootless voicings. Okay, in this kind of lower end register, my my right hand's floating around middle C, my left hand's down here playing bass notes, right? So with this register, you're going to be able to give nice, rich, solid voicings. This is all, okay, so you hear what I'm doing here? This is all my right hand rootless voicings, left hand bass note. Now, why do I have you guys add your left-hand bass note in? Well, listen to the difference in the sound, okay? That's comping with left-hand bass notes. Now, here is my right hand without left-hand bass notes. Right? There's a big difference there. It's a little thinner, right? And it kind of feels like something's missing. Now, you know, you'll be you'll have a bass player playing with you, but he can't read your mind. He doesn't know what you're playing, you know? So by adding that bass note in, it's it's not causing any problems. Um, you're basically gonna solidify your voicing so that it's full, it's rich, it provides support for the band you're playing with, the so for the soloist you're playing with, the vocalist too. So you want your bass note down here, left hand, right hand, rootless voicings. As you get more advanced, you can start to, you know, let go of your bass note as you get up higher into these upper registers. And, you know, that's when you're advancing, have to get more advanced. Okay. But for now, right? One, this is just a two, five, one, and F one, two, three, four. That's it, you know? And as far as rhythmic goes, right? I was doing a couple things, you know, adding some flavors, some spice. Did you see those rolls I was doing? That was my left hand. You can do stuff like that. You know, if you're a beginner, though, you do not need that, okay? These are flavors and textures that just kind of spice up your comping. So those are just, you know, again, just more advanced kind of things. But just for a simple structure to lay down, just keep it simple. You can just use very solid rhythms like one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four, right? One, two, three, four. That's it. That's all you need. Or then just switch it up, you know, just kind of vary it once in a while. Maybe you, you do long to short. Or excuse me. One, two, three, four. Again, and that's it. That's it. But that register is very, very important for creating that palette. Now, so we have our just checking the time here. We have our rootless voicing, 
uh, with our left hand bass notes. Now, now we have a cluster. So back to my um, back to my my pyramid um, of voicings. We have our rootless voicing, right? So what can we do now from here? Well, so many different things. I'm going to show you one thing real quick. Now, again, back to kind of the names. I'm playing a rootless G7 voicing. This is what you're taught in rootless voicing structure. So three, thirteen, seven, nine. Okay. Now, if I take there's a um, there's a arranging um, arranging method called drop two drop two voicings, and what this is is that we take the second voicing from the top and we put it down into onto the bottom. So our first voicing on top is our A. Our second voicing is our F. So the second voicing we're going to remove from our right hand and we're going to put it down here below on the very bottom. Now, this voicing right here is called something that I do not know, okay? I think it's one of those nickname voicings, like, uh, I don't know. If you guys know what it is, let me know, because uh, I've seen, I just don't remember. I mean, I've seen people call this something, right? Now, in the way it's written, usually that I've seen is two notes in your left hand and two notes in your right hand, Okay. And pe- I think this is in the Mark Levine books, and um, I, I'm not, again, I'm not very sure. I've looked at those books. I don't remember. I learned a lot from them when I was younger, but I haven't looked at them in a while. So this is a basically a traditional, some people call this something like a traditional a voicing, a voicing. But again, my theory, this is just my personal education system. I don't like to teach people two-hand voicings with two notes in each in each hand. And if I taught this to someone, right, let's say you, you came to me and you're like, Brendan, and this happens to a lot of people, can you, can you teach me some voicings? And then people go straight to this voicing. They'll be like, okay, here's a voicing for a dominant seven chord, seven, three, 13, nine. And they show it to someone like this, right, with two notes in each hand. Now you know this voicing. Now, is that okay? Sure. Sure, that's okay. You know that cool voicing. You can practice that in all keys now, and you can you can comp this, and it sounds great, but where did it come from? Like, how did we get to that point, right? And uh, how can you start to progress that? So my my thing is I like to teach people the pyramid, right? So so if you're following the pyramid that I, that I teach, then we you would know that we came to that because you learned your rootless voicings. You learned all your basic voicings first, then your rootless voicings. Then we use the drop two arranging system to put that F down there, right? And we came to that same conclusion, right? So now we have the exact same voicing, but you know where it's com- where it came from, and you know how to how to do that same thing with your other voicings as well, okay? So anyway, that's just kind of a little, that was a side note on voicings. You're going to, you'll see if you're, you know, an avid studier uh, of jazz piano and you go to a lot of different sites, if you're not really a member of jazz piano school and you, you visit a lot of different resources, you're going to see a lot of different things like that. Now, I don't necessarily think it's bad per se, but um, I just think a lot of resources will just show you voicings without kind of progressing you into uh, the voicing. You know, and um, I don't necessarily agree with that because I, I don't think it builds structure and um, like organization into your knowledge. I just think, you know, a set of voicings and then that's it, you know. So anyway, now as we move up to piano, those advanced voicings, your drop two voicings are going to be more readily used in this area because 
they give a very nice arranged sound in this area. So this is a very nice, obviously dominant sound, right? And we can use our drop two method for any of our rootless voicings. So here's our rootless voicing for a dominant G7. If I were to take a rootless voicing for my G minor seven, starting on the seven, right? I can do this, the same thing. Sorry, that was just a little <laughs> something I heard. But anyway, here's our, our rootless um, G minor seven, right? Rootless A minor seven. Um, now here's our, our drop to inversion. You know, this is not a rootless voicing, but this is a, an inversion of our G minor seven. This is our drop two with our second inversion of G minor seven. Now it's funny is that because if you hadn't learned all your inversions originally and you were just shown this voicing, you would not know this voicing. <laughs> Which is hilarious because this is a more simple voicing because we're just used taking an inversion and using our drop two method, right? So again, it just that kind of that part of it doesn't really make sense to me, um, and I'd much rather have I see I've seen personally, you know, it's not it's not um, hypothesis or like theory. I've seen my students make more progress because they've learned voicings, you know, like that in that manner, and then I've shown them this, and they've made much more progress. You know, so I've seen that happen in a lot of people. So again, here's our drop two rootless voicing. Here's our drop two inversion. So we can use our drop two method with all of our inversions, with all rootless voicings. You can use the drop two method with any voicing that you want. It doesn't even matter, right? You can use it with three note voicings, four note voicings, five, five note voicings, whatever you want. You just take that second voice from the top and drop it down. There's drop two and four. There's, there's, you know, it expands. I won't going to get into all that, but again, this range is going to be great for your drop twos. I use my drop twos a lot, uh, definitely up here. And it's, again, it's more of a bebop sound. So if I'm copying a two, five, one, and see one, two, oh, one, two, three, four. So, whoops, sorry. again is is that all you want to do no i mean comping takes many more textures than just that but like i said as you get up into this higher register uh your voicings are going to expand you know much more than that so anyway um for comping so again we're, we're at drop twos now so now after that certain point that we in the pyramid um uh, voicing pyramid, you're, then you start to choose and change your extensions, right? So you want to actually start to pick voicings and change your voicing. So instead of in your rootless voicing, instead of using an, uh, a, a natural nine or excuse me, a, um, uh, let's say, um, uh, over a G seven voicing, instead of using a natural nine, I would change it to a flat nine. Right, and then I would practice my drop twos with all. Or excuse me, I'd practice all my flat nine chords through all the keys, and I practice all my drop two uh, voicings through all the keys as well, and isolate them. So it all takes on the same system, right? Here's my drop two with my flat nine. I can have my sharp nine on top. I can have my flat thirteen. Okay, and then you kind of go through the same exact thing, and you use you you use those to comp as well. Now, again, for, for your thinner, open qualities, that's kind of more this medium to high register. As you even get higher, 
you know, that pr um, produces a different quality. I like to use more of my octaves up here in this top end with my left hand rootless voicings. Right, just like that. So uh, again, each register has its own components. Now, once we get past that, right, then pretty much you can start to create any type of voicing you want once you understand the textures of the voicing. Now, again, this is where my methods may differ from other educators. I, I just, I don't like to, you know, uh, cage people. I don't, you know, I want them to express yourselves. I want all you guys to express yourselves how you want to express yourself. So, you know, f um, I'll teach traditionally what has been taught in jazz, but, you know, without people breaking the rules, then there would be no innovation is what I'm trying to say. So I always encourage people to break the rules. If, if someone tells you, oh, you can't use, you know, a flat nine over a minor seventh chord because that's, it doesn't make sense. Well, that's just them telling you it doesn't make sense. It doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It's music, you know? Uh, if I play this, does that make sense? No. Is it music? Some may say not, but some may say it is, right? And, you know, people come up with all, all these theoretical reasons why you can't do something like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. And it's like, well, why not? You know, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so uh, I, you can kind of see some of my rebellious side coming out here in this podcast. But again, if I were to play a C minor seven, I love playing a flat nine over my C minor chord because I like that sound and I've used it before and I use it a lot in my playing. I, I really enjoy the flat nine sound. Some people are like, no, you can't do that. Well, too bad. I'm going to do it, <laughs> you know? So I'm going to put that flat nine in my voicing. I may even put a natural nine and a flat nine. You know, how about that? Right? Right? And so to me, again, this is a very, very, very important point that um, actually Avishai Cohen said in one of his master classes, actually it's on the podcast that I talk about, is that people, you have different relations, everyone will have a different relationship with sound. And that's just the way it is through playing, right? So this D, this natural nine, I have a different relationship when I hear that than you are right now listening to the same exact thing. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's crazy. Okay, I have a different, so to me, this this holds a certain value. Now, it's hard to explain through words. It's more um, in my soul, right? And in your soul, how you feel. If I play this flat nine, again, this may just be, you. this may sound like nails on a chalkboard to you right now. <laughs> so I apologize if you're if you're one of those people out there listening. It's not bad. You just have a different relationship with it, and that's okay. But does it mean someone else who enjoys that sound can't do it? Of course not. No. You know, same with a sus chord. Some people are like, oh, with a sus chord, you can't put a third on top. Right? Because it's creating this half step here. But for me, you know, I, you know what I say to that? It's baloney. You're like, I'm going to play whatever I want on top of a sus chord. I might just play all, I might play six notes or five notes all chromatically. You know? I actually like that sound right there. 
And again, once you grow and start to experiment more with these textures, with these extensions, with these sounds, you're going to develop different relationships with the sound. Right? So that third up there in my sus chord, I love it. I absolutely love that. And I've heard so many people over the years of my career be like, oh, you can't put a third in a sus chord. Well, I I love playing both together. I love playing the third in a sus chord. I'll put I'll play a one, three, four, seven chord. You know, to me that that's a cool texture. You know, stuff like that. I mean I would have never, ever come to develop a relationship with that chord and with that sound unless I just tried it, right? I broke the rules and tried it. So I think you get the point here, but um, feel free. You know, you, you want to feel free to expand. So again, we start expanding and it takes on more. Once you get past a certain point in voicings, it takes on more shapes. So as I'm comping, right? I, it takes on more shapes, um, and I, I'm not. I'm. I'm really thinking about the notes. I'm thinking about textures. I'm thinking about spreads. Whether I'm playing thick or thin textures, whether I'm playing short or long, whether I'm playing more rhythmically, less rhythmically, whether I'm leaving more space, whether I'm leaving less space. This is what goes on in my mind now, comping. And as far as notes go. What I think about is that I know in a G minor, I'm just going for sounds, okay? And it kind of takes on certain, uh, what's the word? If I'm playing more of a classic bebop tune, you know, uh, like Honeysuckle Rose or something, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to probably throw a flat nine in there. You know, I'm not going to play like... Right? I'm not going to put that kind of stuff in there. If I'm playing with other people, if I'm playing by myself, I might just for fun because that's what jazz is about. It's fun, right? But again, so if I'm playing more of a more modern tune or a piece that kind of lends itself to that or maybe just maybe a subtle texture, right? Um, maybe adding a flat 13 on top of a, a C major on top of a major seven chords, right? A lot of people will say you can't do that. But I like to do it in tunes as well. In a lot of standards, I'll do that. So I'll have my, I'll play my C major seven rootless voicing here, and uh, you know I will add that flat thirteen on top. You know I like doing that as well. So um, again, sorry I, I went off topic just a little bit, but again it's more about textures. So if I were to comp, just say G minor. Um, I'm thinking more about, again, the textures. Here we go. One, two, three, four. So again, it, it, a lot depends on what you're doing. You know what I mean? It, th- these these concepts are much more advanced um, because you're you're taking into account so many factors. There's so many variables. What is the soloist playing? What's the mood they're expressing? 
if the solos is more of just a traditional laid back player, I will tend to go more towards laid back comping, just really laying it down. If the drummer is being more open, you know, with their time, then I'll experiment more. Right. So if he's more of like a Tane player, like, uh, you know, Wynton Marsalis, um, the group, you know, with uh, Kenny Kirkland and Tane and stuff like that. I mean, Kenny Kirkland's doing all these different types of voicings and rhythmic patterns, right? You know, stuff like that. Right. All these different things then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lead towards that. If the drummer's just swinging away, right. I'm probably not going to be like, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. I'll just be like, I'll leave more space. Right. I'm going to E flat seven here. So I just lay back more. Okay. I just create a foundation and rhythmically you don't need to do much, right? You can just lay into your chord. One, two, three, four, two, drop twos okay for my g minor major chord i might add a little flair with my left hand maybe some some uh, movements you know but you really don't need much but so you're learning to this was a kind of a all over the place by the way if you're if you've uh you haven't stopped listening yet <laughs> this is more of a rant podcast i guess all over the place podcast but if you guys have ideas for the podcast, please send them in. I was actually going through all the podcasts today, just sitting here, and I was like, man, I don't even know what to do a podcast on today, right? So that's why this is kind of all over the place. But if you want certain things done, please let me know. I'll gladly uh, do podcasts more on what you're looking for. I want to hear from you guys. What do you need more of? What do you need less of? You want me to more go, go more in depth with this topic, with improvising? You know, Just let me know. Please write them on the comments on the link or, um, you know, to, uh, in the post, you know, just leave a little post. Hey, can you do this? Or feel free to email me. Just email me at Brendan Lowe at jazzpianoschool.com. So anyway, you're learning two types of things here. You're learning your voicing pyramid, right? Which builds into these types of voicings. And I recommend you follow that pyramid. Uh, again, a little plug here in the course, all of this is laid out for you. So you actually go through every, all these processes in a step-by-step manner that, that leads you down a path that's going to build your voicing repertoire up. So you know where you've come from and you know where you're going to continuously go. And you also learn all the rhythms and stuff like that. But if you're doing this on your own, I'd recommend you follow that path, go back and, and fill in holes. If you haven't done all that, does it take discipline? Yes, it does. But, um, it's also, it's just part, it's part of the learning process. You know, it's like, right. It's like writing your A's, your B's and your C's, you know, and when we're in second grade, just writing 20 A's, right. Or 20 C's in cursive or something. That's what you do when you learn to write, when you learn a language, you know what I mean? It's just what you got to do. And then the other thing I'm talking about in this episode is the nuances of comping. 
and that this low end register is very important and, and great for just laying down a simple palette. And then as you get higher up, remember, these voices are going to cut through much more. Okay, they're going to be more colorful, more lively, bright, again, for more mood setting. Right, again, in, in, in blue and green, right? You know, if someone's playing that, the melody, I might do more stuff up here in this higher end. Uh, just for some more color, okay? If I'm just comping like a standard, you know, behind a soloist playing, I'm usually staying in this range right here. If you're watching the video, if you're not watching the video, this is about uh, the, the second F below middle C all the way up to a fifth above middle C. That's my range that I stay in. And I use uh, one and seven usually in my left hand and maybe a rootless voicing. My left hand is very active um, with rhythms, right? So you can hear it. So it, it, again, I'm adding rhythmic components, but I'll move up to that higher end for more uh, to, to cut through, to get more, uh, what's the word? If, it, if, if it things pick up a little bit, I really want to give some flair, right? What cue was I just playing it, excuse me, G minor, like, now I won't usually jump, sometimes I'll jump like that, you know, with a drastic thing, but usually I kind of work my way up to the high end in some sort of way, I won't just play, right, like that, although you can, some stabs, that's a cool texture, I like that actually. get super low I'll add those super low bass notes in I just did now all these registers give a different sort of punch to your comping they're going to give a different texture that's why it's important to include all of them so we are at 47 minutes that was a long episode hopefully uh my screensaver didn't go on this episode we don't have any gaps but I did get some notifications on there I'll have to fix that next time <laughs> apologize about that but uh, hopefully this helped in a kind of random sort of way. Again, if you want that pyramid, the voicing pyramid, that's going to be in the download, okay? And just some of the comping ideas I talked about as well. And again, you can get that at jazzpianoschool.com forward slash podcast 66, all right? So again, feel free to explore. I always encourage you to explore, uh, break some of the rules, you know? Uh, that's how, uh, you know innovation is made and, and progression in music. And again, it's about expressing your own self, right? Through this great music. It's a, it's, it's, it's the car. It's the catalyst, right? To help you release your freedom, right? And that's why, again, I love our tagline, Jazz Piano School, learning freedom. You are learning your own freedom through uh, my educational methods, my opinions for, for jazz, right? So again, I, I hate to tell people that you can't do something. I feel like that cages people. And, uh, you know, no one, no one erects a statue for a critic. So someone who's always judging like, oh, you can't do that. You know, it's just like, it, just enjoy the music, right? Just, just let someone do what they want and then enjoy what they're doing. And some of the, some of the portion of music that I never really enjoyed is how judgy everything is, Right. 
and people are people are so judgy they're so quick to point out your mistakes or point out what you're doing wrong or you know oh that wasn't that good you know you didn't use this voicing or like who cares you know let the person have fun you know music's about having fun and enjoying yourself like it doesn't matter if you didn't play that voicing properly or whatever it's just like so anyway i'm going on a little tangent there but (laughs) that's how i feel when i kind of talk about this stuff i just i i enjoy when people enjoy their music if you are having fun playing that's all that matters if you learn something that i teach you and you're able to make use of it and it puts a smile on your face that's all that matters. If you want to add some of your own creativity to to some to something that you play that I didn't teach you, you know that that goes with what you're doing and you enjoy it, then go for it. You know it's great. No one's stopping you. So that is it. Please, I would love if you guys leave me some comments, give me some ideas for podcasts. Please, I would love to hear that. And um, if you can rate the podcast five stars, I'd really appreciate that as well. And so would other people. Uh, of course, if you if you do believe it's a good podcast. All right. I will talk to you guys next time. And until that time comes, as always, happy practicing.